I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and today I'm here with George Abreu. Um, George's bio is incredibly impressive and long. I'd rather, George, just let you kind of go through and, and tell us your story. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, but I, I'm, I'm really interested, honestly, to hear about, you know, how you got started and how you build to such such scale and then and then we like hear about that process along the way absolutely man thank thank you for having me on your your podcast and um yeah i'll try to give you um a shorter version of my bio but um pretty much i've been doing real estate investing for about 15 years now full-time um graduated from college with an electrical engineering degree, went to work for UPS in their engineering department. Um, but before I even graduated, I knew I didn't want to be an engineer. I knew I wanted to work for myself and open some type of business. I wasn't sure what back then. Sure. Um, but started doing some, some research. I mean, I even remember I was in a fraternity and, and, you know, towards my later years of college, um, my fraternity brothers were always like, you know, why aren't you going out with us? And it was, I was spending the weekends in the library and just like, you know, back then not everything was online right. <laughs> like right. it is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Technology has made it a lot easier. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I'll just, man, I was, I was kind of over it. Um, and I had high goals, so I was researching successful individuals, and and it kept kind of going back to them either building their wealth, their wealth, or taking their wealth to like the next level using real estate. Um, so I knew that's what I wanted to do at that point, and I kind of just kept digging and seeing how I can how I can figure it out. Um, started doing some single family investments. Um, and then within one year of working at UPS, um, I ended up quitting and, and started doing real estate full-time, um, did a lot of single family, a lot of fix and flips, a lot of wholesales, some rentals, um, jumped into small multifamily, didn't love it because I had to be pretty hands-on with the management aspect of it. Yeah didn't realize I can do large multifamily and syndicate at that time. So kind of went back to the fix and flips is, is really what I liked. I liked taking those properties and, and transforming them. That's what got me to start J and T construction. So a construction company um, to scale that. And I, I was able to do so, you know, we were doing maybe 30 to 35 or I think one year we even did about 40 flips. Um, and then at some point I got a little 
little burned out. Just um, the construction company started growing on its own as well. You know, we're doing third party work too. And then the investment company was still growing. And I, I was just spread so thin. And at that, around that same time, I, I got introduced to syndication, multifamily syndications. And it just blew my mind, man. It was the, the instant scale that I'd been looking for with just one deal. Um, so slowly, it wasn't even slowly, it, rapidly, I started shifting everything towards um, large multifamily. I, I sold any single family that I had at the time. Um, and that was about maybe four, four and a half years ago. Um, right now, I've acquired over 5,500 units. We've sold some of those. So I'm somewhere in the, I want to say like maybe 4,500 units under management right now. Um, and looking to get to 10,000 next year. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible in terms of scaling up that quickly. That's a, that's a huge number and, and very impressive. I, I, I'm actually really interested. Did you, did you have a construction background? I and mean, you, you went to school for engineering. Had you done anything in construction? Or you just were like, I'm going to start a construction company because I need that to work with my flip. So how did that play out for you? I had some, so, uh, one of my uncles um, owns a, a fairly large construction company and I, I had worked with him pretty much as his assistant for mm -hmm. a little bit during, during college. And then, um, you know, I call it an engineering job at UPS. Really, I was an in-house general contractor. Like um, I was in charge of any expansions to the warehouses or if we had to do the roof replaced, you know, I was in charge of getting all the subs and okay. Okay. I was essentially a GC um, is what I was. And so I felt like with that experience, I could pull it off. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, I didn't think it'd become this big, put it that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, you obviously pulled it off. That's not, <laughs> that's not really the, there's no question there. It's more like, what's interesting to me is, is it, maybe it speaks to the, you know, the mentality of being, being the CEO, being, being the guy that's able sort of to, to manage everything. So now you've got two large successful businesses running and, and you are, I'm sure not swinging a hammer and I'm sure you're not, you know, doing any of that stuff. You're, you're, you're the one, you know, kind of pulling the strings, making everything work. So how how did you you rapidly switched everything over? How how did that go for you? How did that? I think that's a a common transition. A lot of people say, "Oh, I was in single family to some level, and then switch over to multifamily when they realize the scalability." But I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of units in a short period of time, and you had your construction company going. So how did you handle all of that? Yeah, no, there, there's a lot there and, and great questions, man. So, you know, one, when I say that story, I always kind of, there's a disclaimer, like if, if I'm not saying to drop what you're doing and, and what is bringing you income, because multifamily does take a bit, you, you got to build that traction. And um, depending on how you structure your deals, you may not be getting a lot of uh, cash flow coming to you. Um, 
So one, be careful with that. And then two, the reason I, I feel like I was able to do it was I did have the income still coming in from the construction company through, through, mm -hmm. through that transition. And that's what kind of yeah. let me um, do it a little quicker. Um, and then as far as referencing the, 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 sc the scale and um, in the short period of time, you know, I, I just became very, very focused on this is what I'm going to do. Um, these are the units I'm going to get to. Um, I knew I had to do a lot of networking if I was going to do that. I knew I had to get my name out there. I had to let everybody know what I was doing. So um, that's what I did. And and one of the reasons, you know, I'm, I'm open to partnering with others. So they're I have a lot of uh, co-GPs that bring me deals um, and I come in and kind of, you know, KP or, or fill the spots everywhere and kind of just guide the deal. So, you know, that, that helps me get into more deals at the same time, internally, we're looking for deals. So, you know, having those two streams working together, I think has definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having, just having that track record, right. It's now it's like, I'm sure there's no shortage of people that want to work with you uh, in whatever capacity that they can. Did your, did your construction company sort of help you in terms of a network and contacts for getting into multifamily? Like whether that be on the finding deals and due diligence side or even from a capital raising standpoint? It, it, it has, it has more, more than I thought it would. Um, so one thing I, I noticed quickly as I started getting around, um, you know, the community of other multifamily investors was that a lot of them did not have that construction knowledge. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of them were uh, in software or medical or um, a lot of engineers actually, but like real engineers, not what I was. <laughs> Um, and they were pretty clueless when it came to CapEx and, and, um, I noticed that and, you know, I, I was able to get into some deals with, with that experience and, and, um, it definitely helped with, with the growth still does. I mean, I still have, um, some deals that you know, it's one of the reasons that they're bringing me on is because it's a, a heavy lift or just they don't want to mess with the CapEx and they know I can, I can handle it. Yeah. And are, so in your deals, I, I assume your, your construction company is doing that, that work. You've got you're essentially vertically integrated on whatever uh, renovations and CapEx are going into those multifamily deals. Correct. Yeah. And when, so, I mean, maybe walk us through that. What's so I, you're right there. You know, I've interviewed, People and it's like there are a lot of engineers. There's a lot of people uh, from from you know the IT side of things that that realize the benefits of um, of syndication. Uh, there's medical. I mean, I'm a medical person. I'm a veterinarian. I also happen to have a construction background, not to the extent that you do, but but maybe walk us through your process in terms of like when you pick up a deal, you know what you're looking for in due diligence. How do you how do you work through that? And, and especially in the context of like helping someone who doesn't have that 
you know, here, here's a, a numbers guy. It's like, I, I've got this deal, everything works on paper, but you know, is the CapEx going to blow it up? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I've got, um, I'm sure at the end of this, you know, um, I can leave my, my contact information and I've got documents to help with that. You know, I've got checklists, but um, very systematic, very systematic in, in, in what I do and, and the processes we, fo we follow. So there's certain things I'm looking at when from every step, right? You know, we, first time we're visiting the property um, before we even have it under LOI, there's certain things I'm looking at. I, I want to, the big ticket items, right? The, the roofs, the foundation, the concrete, um, the sewers, um, you know, is it cast iron or is it PVC? Some of the stuff are questions, sim simply questions that you can ask as well. Um, so I have a laundry list of questions that we, we asked a broker or seller um, before we even step foot on the property. Sometimes they, they give us all the answers. Sometimes they don't, yeah. but, um, you know, we try to get as much information as possible. Um, what CapEx they've done is always a nice one. You know, if they can actually give you a list of the CapEx yeah. that can give me, you know, if I know they've replaced 50 AC units and it's a 1970 pro uh, property and those, you know, 200 unit properties, so 150 AC units haven't been changed for 50 years. I mean, right. 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 You know, there's a coming up pretty quick, especially in Texas. That's yes. Yeah, AC so needs to work. Put a good amount of AC units in our CapEx, um, you know, things like that. It's just, for some reason, I found that not a lot of effort and uh, work was going into the CapEx on the front end. Like yeah. I would literally, so on the construction side, you know, we would have clients reach out to us and, and we still do that they've closed on the deal. It's been weeks or months. They haven't started any CapEx and we ask them, okay, well, what's your scope? Oh, I don't know. Can you just meet us out here? It's like, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you went ahead and bought it without knowing any of that. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, you know, we're talking about million, million dollar renovations. Um, you would think more time would go into that. And, and, and it's also what your business plan depends on, right? Like if you're not doing this CapEx, you're not inserting this money into your interior units or, or rebranding or whatever it is unless you're buying this perfect property, which if you are, you're probably paying a lot and your returns are going to be very, right. very minimal. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have several pre-construction meetings leading up to our closing. We, we have a finalized scope of work before we ever step foot on property and, and day one, we're knocking it out. Um, uh, you know, we're implementing the business plan as, as quick as possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I love this. This is stuff that I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't have near the experience that you do, but I do think it's, it's stuff that can be easily missed. And it, it's even just for people that, that maybe don't, you know, they, they haven't seen the, uh, the broker offering memorandums, right? The brokers will, will underwrite everything, give you a pro forma and all of this. I've never seen one have CapEx on it. I've, I've just never seen them put. Rarely, you know, they'll try or, to tell you maybe uh, yeah. 
something that the seller spent to get some of the upgraded units and right. those numbers are usually ridiculously low compared right. to what it should be <laughs> right right and it's just if, if you don't know that like if you have no i mean you at least need to know that that you, know, you need to be able to probably look at a roof and say that that doesn't look like it's going to last much longer like you said know that these older ac units aren't going to last much longer and kind of know what you need to do and then so you're you're doing this before even loi you're you're kind of getting in there and and uh yeah you know it's not going to be super extensive but um i've got my rule of thumb numbers and and yeah. um, my data historical data and um i've got a spreadsheet that kind of i can quickly go through and and say okay you know uh, these are sloped roofs and we're going to have to replace half of them. It's got a formula in there, boom, spits it out. Um, so I'm usually about 10% plus or minus from that first number, yeah. the rough number to when we, when we uh, actually get the final scope of work. Um, so it's not super extensive, but it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would imagine that that also importantly relates to, you know, if you get, you become an expert in a certain market. So like the, like the, co the construction costs in, I'm in Los Angeles, they're not, they're not the same as they are in like Georgia or, or Texas or things like that. There's, there's some things that are, are very different. So I think knowing, really knowing that market and, and, and I mean, having your own construction company, you know what you, you set the prices, you can kind of do that yourself. So it's, it's a really nice, Personally, I'd almost rather be vertically integrated that way on the construction side, the CapEx side, than necessarily from like a property management standpoint. I know a lot of people integrate that way. Yeah. And obviously I agree, but because um, <laughs> that, that is what we are. Because that's what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> um, you bring up a good point, man. I, I honestly think too many investors rely on the property manager to, to handle their CapEx. And, you know, if it's a light CapEx, maybe. But uh, still, like you're taking their focus away from the property management aspect of it. I mean, right. you want your work orders being taken care of. You want them to be pushing the rents or whatever, like right, right. focus on leasing. You don't want them to be focusing on, oh, we're redoing the concrete over here. And then when's the sub coming and when's this yeah. and that? Like that's, um, it's not their job really. You know, that's not um what they should be doing um so yeah i agree with you a hundred percent um you know i also think that somebody on the ownership team should have some type of background in construction as well because if not you're you're relying on a vendor right even if right. even if it's jnt construction you're going to hire right you're still relying on that vendor hopefully you trust me and and obviously i'm going to do good for you but right. If nobody else knows anything, then what if that vendor is not doing a good job? Like who's going to call them out on it or, or whatnot? So, you know, th think of the big companies, right? Think of the, the multifamily um, owners that have 20,000 units. I mean, they've got a whole CapEx department and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that, it, that you brought up a great point. The, the property management staff, the, the on-site property management staff really should be, they're, they're tenant managing, right? They're leasing, man. They're, they're, they're the people, 
they're the people side of it, which is also very important. But right. you, you need to get good tenants into these nice units you've just created. But yeah, someone to... to and keep them happy, which goes to the work orders, you know, which that's, right, right. we're not going to come in and, and go check on leaking toilets or that, or right. that's, that's the management team. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not, yeah. You, so you have, even if you have an on-site maintenance guy or two, like if you're, if you're having them turn over units, fully renovate a unit, well, who's doing the work orders? Who's taking right. care of the, the tenants and keeping them happy? Happy. So I think uh, that's a that's a really great point that I think probably gets missed a lot. I feel like there's a lot out there. I know there. I'm sure there are bad property management companies, but like there's a lot out there sort of bashing property managers. And I think sometimes maybe the expectation of them to do all of this stuff isn't realistic. Like you can't yeah. do all of it well. So it's kind of it's like, like funny okay. you, you mentioned that. So like, yeah, the, the, the staff really appreciates it, especially the onsite staff, you know, the, right. the owner of the property management company maybe doesn't because they, they see it as, well, that's taking profits from us, you know, because the property manager is going to charge you a markup on, on the CapEx. Right. 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 Um, but the actual onsite really appreciates when we're on there and we're taking care of all the capex because, like I said, they can focus on the other things. Yeah, yeah. There's it's just there's a lot to do, right? If you're going to reposition a, a an asset, there's a lot to do both on the physical property side and then on the tenant side. So it, it's just kind of the in that that you know value add space, especially if it's a heavy lift, having uh, having your own construction division that is vertically integrated is, is fantastic. I think it's that, like I said, that's, that would be my goal. You know, if I, if I can someday have lofty goals of, of having as many units as you, I, I would, I would love to have that, that side of it be, it, we just, we run it ourselves kind of thing rather than looking for, looking for other people to do it. So yeah. And um, you mentioned something about investors too, that I didn't answer. And I, and I think it, it, it has helped us with investors as well, because they feel more comfortable, um, Look, I originally started the construction company because we got burned a couple of times by contractors and getting burned on those deals, you know, at that time being single family, um, killed the deal, you know, at least killed some of the returns and, and, and the money we lost. Yep. So me starting this was, okay, I'm not going to have that issue anymore. I'm not going to get burned again. Um, so they know that's not going to happen on, on these multifamily deals. You know, we're going to, um, the contractor's going to perform. We're going to get this stuff done quickly. We're going to get it done good quality. Um, so at least that's out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. It just has a lot to do with accountability, right? It's like, if, I, if you don't have your own construct, now you're like essentially three or four steps removed, even as the asset manager from whoever's actually doing the work. So it's just being, being able to say, yeah, like the GC on this job is, is my, I hired him. He's my guy. Like I, you know, you put him in place, that kind of thing. I think certainly that would provide a lot of, um, you know, kind of comfort and everything and, and stability from a, from an investor's viewpoint uh, that, that especially on these value add deals that, that things are going to get done quickly and the right way. So do you feel like, do you feel like you're able to complete your business models faster than maybe uh people that don't have vertically integrated oh, 100 uh, yeah 100 man yeah so you're you're probably going full cycle on deals 
probably ahead of projections, I would guess most of the time. I mean, the market helps with that too, but like, I, I'd imagine you're, you've got, <laughs> I, I don't know what you project for your turnaround time and I'm sure it depends on the units and what has to be done, but I'd, I'd imagine it's easier to stay on schedule uh, this way than relying on others. Yes. Yes, it is. And I mean, we, um, yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're set to close to sell a deal um, literally right on the one year mark. And the only reason rate, well, okay. Two reasons, right? So the market, like you said, has something to play with it, but at the same time, we were able to quickly implement our business plan, do the CapEx, um, get the rents up and, um, you know, we're more than doubling the value of that property. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's amazing for people. I mean, in a year, like I think we, we hope to double value in, in five years maybe, but in, in a year, that's, that's incredible. So that's, uh, really speaks to the success of your company and, and, and that sort of business model. So I, I love it. Let, let me, um, maybe let's shift gears a little bit, George, and we'll just, we'll get into the part where I kind of ask you the questions, uh, that I ask every guest. So don't keep you all day. I, honestly probably could talk about this construction stuff forever, but, um, I see we'll, you getting we'll, excited. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I love it. I love it. Um, so the, the first question is, uh, related to the name of the podcast being know your why. So, so what is your why, what, what drives you to this, this level of success? You know, it's, um, so it's changed, right. As, as life goes on, um, in, in the beginning, it was, I just wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to, to work for myself and, and build something um, bigger than me. Um, and then as I grew my family and, and I have three beautiful daughters, um, now it's, it's kind of the same why, but now there, there's a face to it, right? You know, now I've got... Yeah. Um, these daughters that I want to provide the the best life possible for, I want to leave something behind for them. Um, so that's what keeps me going and 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 growing um, and pushing every day. Yeah, I I really love that what you said. Just it, it puts a face to to the why. I think that's a a great way to put it because I you know for me, it was really my kids that sort of flip the switch as to what was important in life, right? It was like, you just get to that point where you're like, I need, I need to do this because it's going to provide me time freedom. It's going to, those little faces, like you say, are, are there like looking at you like, daddy, we want to play. We want to go. <laughs> you don't want to miss that time. So uh, I think that's a really, really great point. Um, next question is, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge. Uh, maybe, a special skill or a hobby, something, maybe something you want to learn that you're, you're trying to, uh, that you think would be interesting. Um, I love playing basketball. I don't know if that's good enough. Um, I'm Cuban American. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but, um, yeah. I'm terrible at basketball. So I, I would, <laughs> We won't play I basketball. Say it was good. I said I, I like to play <laughs> Just enjoy basketball. Enjoy it. It is good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, okay. So, how can people reach you if we? Uh, what, what's the best way of someone? You know, uh, whether they just want to kind of be invested in your deals, or or maybe even I know you talked about you know partnering with people. How, how should they reach out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the two best ways is we're constantly updating our our website. So elevatecig.com. Um, you know, any investment offerings we have will be on there. Um, free content. Um, we're we're constantly updating it. So I think that's a great place to go. And then um, I offered earlier those forms and checklists for CapEx. I mean, I have a ton of them. If your audience shoots me an email at George or Jorge really is the way it's spelled. So J-O-R-G-E at elevatecig.com. And they mentioned that they heard me on, on your podcast. I will send them my arsenal of like free content. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's, uh, that's extremely valuable. So whoever, whoever listens to this should take full advantage. That's, uh, that's fantastic. I, I appreciate that. Um, well, listen, I, I know you're busy. I don't want to take up your whole day. What, one last question. What, what piece of advice would you give to someone that is, I don't know, in your shoes four or five years ago, kind of towards, towards the beginning of your journey into multifamily, what, what would you tell them to help them stay on track or, or grow or scale, whatever you think would be valuable? Yeah. Um, so I usually have a pretty go-to answer on this question. Um, I'm trying to change it up. <laughs> Let me think. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so I usually say focus, right? You know, focus, but I'm trying to be a little more detailed on, on what that means and, and kind of, um, I still think that's probably the most important, uh, just because there's so many shiny objects out there. Um, if, if multifamily is the way is what you want to do and you're convinced, then here I'll lump together two things, right? So focus, like I just said right now, and then earlier, I, I also said that it's very difficult to just start doing multifamily and, and making enough income. So maybe come up with a strategic plan on how you're going to transition from your W2 or from, I don't know, let's say you're doing single family and you want to go to multi, um, kind of lay out that trajectory and, and just realize that it's going to take a little bit to build that, that, that traction in multifamily, um, that track record. And one way to kind of overcome that in the beginning, so trying to throw a lot at you here, but um, <laughs> one way to overcome that in the beginning is, is just partnering with others, right? Partnering with others that have that um, track record or traction already built in and seeing how you can bring value to them. So, you know, if you think you can raise some equity, well, you know, reach out to uh, a syndicator that that's got a good track record and let them know that, hey, look, I think I can bring some some equity to your deal. Is there something else I can do? How else can I help? Um, actually, don't ask how I can help. Um, I, I get that a lot. And, and I'd rather somebody tell me how they can help me versus them kind of just asking me. Um, yeah, it's a very vague. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very vague way to, to try and get involved with someone. And, and it's the reality is, is that like you don't know how they can help because you don't know what their skill set is. Correct. So if you just correct. Tell me what you're good at. And right, right. Works, if you're out of the blue, you like, hey, how, how can I help you? They're like, I don't know. What do you <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's good. I mean, and I think, you know, that 
the focus thing is how do you, I mean, a little bit of a follow-up question that how do you, how do you maintain focus, right? Like how do you, it, because it's, it's easy to get, I mean, you've, and you've done a, several different things, right? Like you've done flipping, you've, you've, you said yeah. you've done all of that. So how do you sort of stay, there's so much out there. There's so many different ways to, to get into real estate, you know, like short term, term rentals are huge right now. Like there's all this stuff. How do you, how do you maintain that focus? So, okay. It's a great question, but, um, I, I analyzed what, what I wanted to get into, right? What part of real estate? Um, well, I guess I've been going down that path for years, but once I, I knew the ins and outs of, of multifamily and I was convinced that's what I wanted to do. Then I set my goals, you know, where, like I, like I said, in the beginning of this uh, podcast, I want to get my goal this year was 5,000. I, I hit it. I, I actually, I got one more closing and I'll be at close to 6,000. My next year goal is 10,000. So, you know, I'll continue to set those goals. And then when somebody brings me some storage deals or they bring me um, mobile home park or industrial, you know, I, I'm focused on the multifamily. I want to conquer that. And then, you know, maybe I'll diversify into some, some different real estate um, asset classes, but um, so that's one. And then if you want to break it down to like a daily, you know, how do I focus daily or weekly? Um, I have my main rocks that I need to accomplish that month and then that week and then comes down to that day so no more than three is really like the sweet spot you know three things that you're you're setting out that you you need to accomplish that day and those three things are pushing you forward to reach your goals um then you stay focused that day and you make sure you knock out those three things and you know you're going to get distracted like not you know not handling some things on on emails or an employee that this and that, you know, there, there's some fires I'm going to have to put out, but I'm going to control my day. I'm, I'm going to schedule it appropriately to, you know, there's certain times where I'm going to put out those fires. And then there's certain times where I'm going back to knock out um, my main goals for that day. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's exactly what, <laughs> that's perfect answer. I mean, uh, uh, yes, on the, on the, the micro level, what are you doing, you know, but, but ultimately, you you have goals for your business and then you just don't you don't go after anything that doesn't accomplish that goal for you so it's just i think that's that's a great you know that's the macro and then the micro is like i love that piece of advice about like okay i have three things in a day but what are the three most important because i think yeah sometimes we write down to-do lists and it's like you know, you got 15 <laughs> yep. things on there. And I'm like, well, I'm never getting all of that done. And then it's just overwhelming trying to think what's okay to not, you know what I mean? So uh, I yep. think that's, that's fantastic. Um, awesome. Well, George, yeah, don't let, you. sorry, one more thing. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. don't let others dictate your day. Like, yeah. 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 Well, be, be in control of your time is, is exactly it. I, I, it's all, this is all great. Um, George, thank you. Uh, I really do. I appreciate your time. I think 
<laughs> really ever this will be a hard one to to extract content from because I feel like everything you said is very um, actionable and and good good advice for people uh, working their way into multifamily. I think I think it's fantastic. So thank you, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you. All right, all right. We'll say goodbye. All right. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.